This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. Thank you for sharing your earbuds with us today. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for your reviews, ratings, feedback that we're getting through all the different platforms. We really appreciate that and, and we love spending some time with you while you walk the dog or spend some time in the gym or wherever you listen to these podcasts. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Scott Willis with us from the Australian Physiotherapy Association and a clinic owner as well. Scott, how are you today? I'm very good, mate. Very nice day down here in Tassie, so it's very nice. It's always a nice day in Tasmania, isn't it? It is always. <laughs> For those who are unfamiliar, Scott is uh, the, the national chair of the Physio Business Australia, so the, the business arm of the Australian Physio Association, uh, clinic owner down in Tasmania for over two decades now, I believe, Scott. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. We've just, um, as, a, as an owner, uh, 20 years this year, um, it's just clicked up and I've been down here in Tassie about 25 years. So it's um, been a good transition and a, a good journey as well. Yeah, super stuff. So what we're going to touch on today, listeners, make sure you stick around till the end. We're going to be talking about how you as a clinic owner and a, in private practice can engage with your association, uh, whether that's physio or other professions. We'll talk about some of the reforms coming in from a government level. We'll talk about advocacy. So there's plenty to get through today on this episode. But firstly, uh, Scott, tell us who is Scott Willis and uh, what is your background, mate? What, what led you to Tasmania or are you a Taswegian from birth? Yeah, no, no, I come from Sydney. So I did um, did my uh, training at Sydney Uni and graduated um, back in 93, I think it was. And um, at that time, there wasn't a lot of jobs around in um, in New South Wales, Sydney area. So found a, a little ad in Sydney Morning Herald that said Tassie, um, Tassie wanted, physios wanted in Tasmania. So I rang them and they said, can you start tomorrow? Uh, and I said, give us a couple of weeks. And yeah, that's how it all started pretty much. And um I just got into that that groove of a, a rural area, community spirit, and I started to play sport down here, um, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. And then they met my my now wife, um, mm-hmm. so that um, that usually keeps you in an area as well. So um, got yeah. married and um, and then and set up a, a clinic with uh, with another physio, and um, it's grown quite well um, yeah, from twenty years ago. Love it. And now your clinic is uh, multidisciplinary, looking after some corporate stuff and Pilates. Can you tell us a little bit about Coastal Physio and what it looks like nowadays? Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely multidisciplinary in a, in a um, rural area. You know, we don't know what's going to be walking through the door. Um, you know, we've got um, exercise physiologists, we've got um, new grads right through to you know APA sports physio um, as well. So we right. we look at um, you know aged care, corporate, um, peds, NDIS. You know, multiple of things, anything that comes off the street um, <laughs> that any clinic would yep. see, we we see it here and on on the northwest coast of Tasmania. Yeah, that's, and I guess that's the nature of rural practice. We have a lot of regional and rural listeners who would, uh, yeah, who would definitely have an affinity with that. It's whatever walks through the door, you're the, you're the answer, you're the solution. Uh, Scott, tell us about your role with the APA. What is that all about? Yeah, so um, 
it's it started um, just being on on I suppose the branch council of the um, of the Tasmanian um, branch council, and then grew to the Physiotherapy Business Australia. So I went on to their national committee, and now the last four years been national chair of that entity, um, and that comes to a close um, at the end of this year. So I've done my two lots of two terms, and I've now just been elected to the board of the um, Australian Physio Association, which mm-hmm. will start the first of January next year, which is another. Another exciting but yeah, scary times ahead. Um, yeah. Another step up, but um, we've got to step outside our comfort zone every now and then. <laughs> I love it. Congratulations on your appointments, and uh, it, it's fascinating, mate. Uh, you know, obviously, I haven't been around forever, but to see the change and progression in our uh, in our profession over the last four years under your leadership in the private practice space is fascinating. And I'm mindful that there's a lot of listeners here who aren't physios. If you're not a physiotherapist. There's going to be lots in this conversation that will be applicable across professions. We'll probably use physiotherapy as a case example. So can you highlight some of the changes in the, the business or the private practice world in regards to our association? What are, what are some of the changes or things that you're really proud of over the last four years? Yeah, look, I think um, we're really gearing, I think we're really gearing, or I think the association has, has really stepped back and thought private practice is really a significant entity within our profession um, and we need to be able to develop the private practice because I think in the future the private practice is going to be the, the major employer. Um, of any physio coming out. So um, I'm really, really proud of the APA as well because they've taken it on and and really listened to to the members to, to say, look, we need to really develop this area because it's it was underdeveloped, say, four or five years ago. You know, the offerings were, were quite low. You know, and, and I think physio as, as a whole is very, very hard to think as physio as a business. Um, I think, you know, at our uni, it was always, let's look after the patient, don't worry about the money side of it. If you're a good physio, you're going to make money possibly, but we all know that's not true. You can be a good physio and you can be a poor business person as well. So I think we've really highlighted that and, and really put a, a framework together and a, a pathway to try and develop a lot of the skills that are required for private practice, especially if you're in business as a business owner, but also as a new graduate, a pathway when you first come out to possibly to be a, a clinic owner. So I think that's our biggest thing that we've really started to go along that pathway. And it, and it is a journey. It's not going to be a, a short-term journey. And it's going to be changing, which yep. with um, with any entity, it's going to change, especially when you've got government and, and third-party funders involved. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be agile. And you know, that's what we're trying to develop now is that you know, we're going to get the skill sets available to um, to the private practice owners that they can can be mobile agile as as the um, policy and advocacy changes with it which will over the next five to ten years yeah and i love i'm i admire the ability of a large association and a large profession to to embrace change the reality is that some of the institutional elements are slow to move universities with respect are often a little bit behind the times, and often associations are but i think the apa has made them really impressive Strides, Scott, just to press on that a little more, what is the ratio of private practice to public practice in the physio association and does that translate across to other professions as well? 
Yeah, definitely. It's a. It's. I'm not exactly sure about the percentage of it, but it's um, something like 65, um, 35 um, of private practices now, um, private practitioners compared to public practitioners. Where you go back ten or fifteen years ago, it was probably the opposite. And even with the new grads coming out now, ten years ago it was sixty percent going into public. 40% in the private. Now it's flipped completely. Um, new grads now coming 60% out into new um, new grads out into private practice. 40% into public. And I think another five to ten years it'll be up to 70% with um, you know with the cuts and changes to the public system. Um, there'll be more and more demand to get to go into private practices. Yeah, I love it. Uh, on that, when it comes to uh, being a private practitioner, whether you're a business owner or not, and a relationship with your professional association. If I can ask a candid question, why should a private practitioner be a member of an association? What What's the benefit? Yeah, no, very good question. And, and we often, um, you know, sitting on a um, national group and a national committee, we often say, so why should someone join, you know, join an association? Why, why should someone actually um, join even like a PBA or a sports right. physio um, group and things like that? And I suppose when you've been around um, like I have for, um, for a significant amount of time and seen the amount of work that goes on behind the closed doors in the background, yeah. that's when you start thinking I'll pay you know, whatever amount of money if it's like I think it's about $1,000 or something for, for a, a membership with your, um, yeah, you know, with your um, insurance and things like that. That's a fraction. Yeah, absolutely. So. What, what are some of those things that have you been advocating for? Maybe speak to us a little bit about private health insurance yeah. reform or even DVA reform. Yeah. So I think what a lot of people don't realise is that, um, you know, possibly there's a, a, some funders out there that were going to cut physio or allied health from, um, from being um, funded completely. Right. Um, and it was a significant, going to be a significant cut. And it was right. pretty much uh, the APA that stopped that. Um, and I don't think we bounce around and, and tell people that because it's just something that we do. Um, other things is, you know, with the Pilates funding and things like that, um, you know, it's going to be stopping at the 1st of April. There's a huge amount of background work that's going on in that That to demonstrate the Pilates is just a word. Now, we're actually talking about an exercise component to, to a treatment. So it's just like a McKenzie. It's just like a Maitland. It's just like yeah. another... Now, bit that's the tool that's in your in your um, toolkit, pretty much when you're treating patients. So there's those types of things. There's um, you know the NDIS that's um, going through a huge amount of um, reform at the moment. That with the Quality and Safety Commission, with the accreditation mm-hmm. issue that's happening, and now only last week at a, a standing committee that um, the APO was represented very well um, by Jules Locke, um, and um, it looks like that you know, there could be some some movement there because of the cost that's going to be associated with accreditation if you want to be an NDIS provider. And then you've got your, your private health insurance with um, telehealth. Um, you know, we've done a huge amount of work over the last two years with the private health insurers trying to um, get them to fund um, telehealth. And we're nearly there. It's just those background things that people don't see um, where your money goes. Yeah. I think, Scott, that's, that's a really good summary because I think there might be a perception out there that associations just stop things going backwards. Mm. So when you mention the private health around uh, cutting physio or, you know, it's stopping the profession going backwards. But I see the APA and other associations, let's be clear, the, the OTA do a great job and APOD A, yep. among others, ESSA, 
really progressing our industry forward, not just professions, things like telehealth, really pushing that forward and the education and branding and reform around what happens in university. I, I love the work that, um, that you guys do. And it's not just stopping things going backwards, which is a bit of a scarcity type mindset. The, the progress and push is awesome. Yeah, definitely. And and look, I, I think, you know, the APR would be the, the first one to say, you know, we have done some um, wrong things over the time, but I think every business owner would say that they've done it as well in their own business, that you, you know, you can't stop doing things if you think that um, it's going to be wrong. You know, you, you, it's a passion that you think that it's going to be successful. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Um, you know, sometimes there's other parties involved that um, that are going to stop that from happening. So with an association with over, over 26,000 members that the APA have got now, um, we can actually go to these funders and say, we've got 26,000 people. It's a, it's a big pool rather than going and saying, I represent 500 people. Uh, is a, there's a significant difference. You know, especially like we, um, the, the APA under the leadership of um, Phil Calvert, he can actually text the Minister for Health now. He's actually got a direct line to him. Direct line. How good you know, that? You know, where before there was no way that that would happen. We have regular meetings um, with um, with all the, the ministers and the shadow ministers where before we would be very reactive and if something happened, we would go and see them then. Where now we're going to them and saying, you think about this policy um, how about we look at this way because this might get you a better outcome and they're, they're starting to listen, you know. Um, there's been multiple of things that, um, that are happening such as the Rural um, Workforce Incentive Program for GPs to employ physiotherapists or allied health out in rural areas in competition to practices that have already been set up. They did not see that. We went to them and they go, oh, we didn't even look at it that way. So they're yeah, actually looking at ways to change that. So, you know, it's those types of things So with regular meetings and regular advocacy and policy issues that are coming up. If you have regular meetings, you can actually um, set up um, before it happens. Mm, I love it. And, and that's, the, that's the fruit of years and years of blood, sweat and tears and labour and people chipping away across all, all professions. So that, that's super stuff. Scott, what's on the horizon when you look at things like you know, data collection or DVA or what What things should private practice practitioners, private practice owners be mindful of? Yeah, look, I think the, the one biggest thing is um, it always comes back to this and that's data collection. Um, you know, you mentioned it just just now. Um, when we go to a private health insurer, when we go to DVA, when we go to um, Medicare, when we go to um, NDIS, when we go to ACFI and we say to them, look, how about if you fund physio to do this because we can save you so much money down the track? They go, okay, well, show us the data. Sure. And it's like where they go, oh, but we've got the studies. You know, the university's done the studies. They show that there's a 15% reduction in this. There's a, you know, a study that shows that internationally that, you know, telehealth um, is if not better than um, face-to-face consultations sure. in the clinic. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's good, but where's your data for locally? I want show me, show me where your data is locally, and they, and we go, we haven't got it. So the APA is um, taking the biggest challenge now into um, actually investigate how we can collect data at the right place, the right time, at ease, um, you know, to to try and get some of this data. Now the orthopedic surgeons do it very well with their joint registry. Now they can they can actually demonstrate what their infection rate is, what their length of stay is, what their complication rate is to the percentage, 
Um, we can't do that. We can't say that, you know, if a back pain patient comes to us, we can um, save the money, X amount of money because of our intervention. We can't do that yet. So unless we can do that, our policy is a bit stunted and I think it's every association, every association out there has got the same same problem. So I think that is going to be the game changer. If we can okay. get that right, I think it yep. will change the whole outlook for funding for all allied health. And in light of that, what role do individual practice owners have to play? Is that is there anything that we can be doing better? Yep. So what, we, um, what we're trying to get people to do is to actually look at what's the deficit that our practice software um, is, um, what deficits are there with our practice software, what can't we get, what outcome measures can't we um, say access you know, can they use telehealth? Can they um, can they download the um, um, the new um, patient registries and, and things like that? Sure. You know, can can they um, have secured messaging? All those types of things. If they can't, ring up the vendor and um, and demand it because you know, they're telling us that um, you know our practices don't want it. You know, well, they aren't looking for it. Where I don't think practices know what they really need in the future, and that's what sure. we're trying to develop now. Okay, sure. Anything else on the horizon of note? Yeah, just with the Pilates, we touched on it um, before. So the 1st of April, um, Pilates and also natural therapies will be discarded by um, private health insurance. Um, So any natural um, therapy will not be um, funded at all. And I think this really demonstrates the government's appetite for high-value care where it's got to be demonstrated to be of a significant advantage and benefit to the consumer and to the funder and to the government. So the APA are in the background trying to do quite a bit of work and in conjunction with Private Healthcare Australia, which is the the um, association looks after all the major private health insurers such as Bupa, Medibank, Private, St Luke's, all those ones. Mm-hmm. They're, they're coming to bat with us. So they still want physiotherapy to provide this, but we've got to try and get a, a, a way that is fair and equitable and um, and goes along the lines of a medical model type of thing, not a fitness model. Um, So we're working on that at the moment. The other things are just the DVA changing their treatment cycle. So um, next next year, you're going to have to have a, a referral every 12 treatments, I think it is, and you're going to have to write back to the GP. Um, so it's very much along the line of the EPCs, that type of thing as well. Um, but have you seen any change in the EPC program? I know that's probably a burning question from a lot of practitioners. Yeah, look, um, I think if we have a change of government, Uh-huh. Um, we may, may yep, yeah, at a federal level, um, we may we may see a change there. There's always it's always on the table and has been on the table, and um, I suppose this is where the background negotiations and the background um, lobbying is really really crucial for all organisations because it is on the table. It has been for the last few years, and there has been more and more mutings. If there's anywhere in the government that um, they want to save, this is one area that, um, yeah. Especially, again, we've got no data. We can't demonstrate anything. We can't yeah. demonstrate what this is what this has achieved. You know, we can't say to them that you know if you keep funding um, EPCs, um, our osteoarthritis rate will reduce by fifteen percent, or our chronic disease management improves by thirty percent. We can't demonstrate sure. that. So that's what the government are looking for: is okay, what we're giving you X amount of millions of dollars. What, what are we getting in return? Mm-hmm. It's all about that ROI. 
It is. It certainly is. It's funny, isn't it? Like, you know, you mentioned right at the top that we get into private practice, we get into healthcare because we care and we just want to create great outcomes and great experiences. And I think as we continue to do that, but not just not stop there, but provide the data that our outcomes and experiences do provide a return. Uh, things like advocacy with the government becomes easier and things like the commercial reality of running a practice and making money and, and making a healthy profit. It's not evil to make a profit. It's a reflection no. of the value you provide. But as we stay focused on our patients and doing the right thing, the rest flows as a natural expression. So is there anything else, Scott, that you'd love to say to private practice owners, our listeners uh, across all professions? How can they better engage with their association? What, what words of wisdom, any pearls of wisdom from the great Scott Willis for our listeners? Yeah, look, I think it's um, get out there and just make contact um, with your association, um, especially at a local level and then um, possibly at, at, at a national level. If you don't um, understand you know, why the association is going in a certain direction, um, go and talk to them. You know, um, yeah. There's always people that um, that are willing to, to talk to you. I know when I first started, I'm thinking, oh, why on earth are they doing that? When you start looking at the bigger picture, um, you start thinking, my God, there is so many other things that are happening in the back background that's why they've got to do it this way we can't just go into a, a minister's office and start demanding you know we've got to set up those you know it's just like business you know you can't go into an organization and say i want to provide physiotherapy to your you know your corporation you've got to actually get their trust you've actually got to get you now demonstrate your worth you know your commercial reality to it is exactly yeah. the same with that so you know it's those types of things i think that you know if you get involved with an association you actually see it um and you, you start breathing it. it, it follows through into your own business or even into the public system, into your own culture in, in, your, in your workplace as well. So mm. I think it's just try and get involved, try and have a look and see what's happening. It's not everyone's cup of tea to get involved in a committee, but it's oh. also just about actually knowing what's happening I think is, yep. is the biggest thing. And that's with social media now, we're trying to get that out a lot more now with you know, the Facebook pages and LinkedIn and, and all that. So it is getting better and we've, we've, got to, we've got to work on other avenues or other ways to get this information out to members as well because it is hard. We get so many emails now and so many um, bits and pieces that come across your desk that um, there's got to be other ways that we get the information out. I love it. You know, for me, it speaks to that mindset of clinic owners. We expect our team to not just be consumers, but contributors. And yet sometimes we sit back and I think we don't have a right to whinge unless we've contributed. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think the listeners of this podcast are pretty open-minded. And so I think that encouragement of, of having conversations, get involved and get to know people. We don't have to, uh, yeah, you know, sign up for hours and hours of volunteer no. work on a committee, but get to know it's who you know, not what you know. So, that's, that's awesome. So I, I want to honour you. I know uh, on behalf of Clinic Mastery and our listeners, we really appreciate all the work that happens behind the scenes. The years and, and decades of contribution from yourself is, is really appreciated. And we're really stoked that you could join us on this podcast. If people want to check out uh, your clinic, where should they go? What website? Yeah, so it's um, coastalphysio.com.au um, down here in Tasmania um, on the northwest coast and then also, um, yeah, the PBA Facebook page um, and also the uh, the new uh, Physiotherapy Association's um, website as well. So, um, you know, they can check that out as well. So to be clear, that's www.australian.physio, that's correct? Physio, that's correct, yep. Awesome. And the PBA Facebook group is APA PBA. 
Is that correct on Facebook? That's, that's it. Yep. Awesome. Scott, thank you so much. Listeners, all those will be linked up in the show notes for you. You'll find those over at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. You'll be able to check out all of the resources mentioned today. Thank you so much for sharing your earbuds with us. And again, thank you for your reviews, ratings, and feedback. They definitely do not go unnoticed. And Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, mate. No, thank you. Thanks for having me and um, have a good Christmas. If I don't um, talk to you um, in the meantime. Thank you so much. Listeners, have a great day. We look forward to bringing you another episode again really soon. This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic.